I want to, I'm going to continue with talking about the atonement. And, um, but I, I want to, I want to, I want to put a couple of, I want to set the tone with two verses, two different verses. I'm going to set the tone for what I feel like that the Lord is, is pointing to us. One of them, one of them is uh, when we were singing that song, Holy, I immediately went back to the incident in Numbers 20 where the Israelites came to a place where there was no water. Remember that? Came to a place where there's no water. The Lord told Moses, speak to the rock. He told him before, they'd come to this place before and, and to strike the rock. They came to this place, or maybe this is the first one. Speak the rock, speak to the rock, and, uh, and water will gush forth. And so if you remember the story, Moses uh, was so upset with the Israelites that he lost his temper. And instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. And after that, there was an exchange between God and Moses. And he says, you know what? You are now disqualified from, from leading my people over into the promised land. And, you know, when you read that first pass, you're thinking, wow, I guess you can't have any temper tantrums, you know, with God. And, and yet, that was not the reason that he said this. The reason that he said that was in Numbers 20, verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given them. So Jeff, what's your point? We were just singing that word, holy, 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 in our song. To us, that means something, and to him, that means something. To us, holy means uh, separated or pure, or, and, and rightly so. To him, as well as that, it also includes I'm in a class all by myself. My limitations are not your limitations. My exasperations are not your exasperations. My resources are not your resources. I'm in a class all by myself. It's called holy. What he is wanting us to see is that he stand, this one that we call holy stands in a class all by himself that we call holy. And therefore, when we pray to this one and we look to this one who is holy, I'm not limited by, by I'm not like anybody you've ever been around. That's what he's saying. Just because your best friend didn't keep his word doesn't mean that I don't keep my word. I keep my word. I'm holy. Completely holy. And that's what he, he is trying to, he, he's, he's getting me to, raise my eyes of faith and stop looking at my imperfections and my inabilities and my, 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 and look to him. All of your deliverance, all of our, all of our provision, it's all been paid for. It's all in him. It's all in him. So that's, that's the one that I wanted to talk about. The second verse is, listen to this, it's Matthew 13, 12. Jesus says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. 
But for those who are not listening, even what, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So another, now, I like that translation. The one that I found that actually dials it in just a little bit more is this one in the Passion Translation. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. And you know me, you know this whole phrase, being teachable, that, that's, that's one of my key phrases. That's one, of my, that's one of the things that the Lord drilled into me several years ago about the, the, whole, the whole thing of being teachable and the whole subject of being teachable, what being teachable looks like. And being teachable has many different facets. One of them for me was, was being able to receive from someone that was actually beneath me. That, that was being teachable. That was one facet of it. Another facet of it is, this is what I'm uh, uh, inviting us to do, to listen with a teachable heart, is even though we've heard something before, be willing to lay that down and, be, and risk hearing it for the first time again. That's what being teachable is. So that's what I want to do today. That's where, that's where this, whole, this, this whole teaching is, has been nothing but a reset on us understanding who Jesus is, what he's done, and what the benefits for us are. Oh, it's so good. But not, not, not just seeing it from information standpoint, taking what's been done and applying that into our hearts, bringing it in here. It's something that we believe. It's something that we live by. It's something that, that, we, that, that we actually impart. This life, this DNA, this, 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 this thing that's in you called the Spirit of God, it's, this, it's the seed of, a perish, of, 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 an, of an imperishable life, an indestructible life is in you. So, let's see where we go. So, Father, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, for every person here, I ask, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Again, we have to have grace, supernatural grace, in order to catch what Jesus has done for us, Lord. And otherwise, it's just going to be mental assent. We don't need any more mental assent, Lord. We need changed lives. Everything that Jesus paid for, Lord, we don't want mental assent, Lord. We want to walk in it. We want to walk in the freedom that he provided. We want to walk in the power that's available. We want to walk, we want to be real people that carry the kingdom of God in our lives. We want the real wisdom, the one who is living wisdom, living understanding, Lord, flowing through us. Lord, I ask that today, that again, another facet of what Jesus has done, Lord, I ask, Lord, that it would hit our hearts. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would also protect, protect our hearts from the birds of the air, the spiritual birds of the air that would try to come and steal the seed. I'm asking for that, Lord. And I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that no word that's released from you will return to you without accomplishing what it was meant to accomplish. We thank you, Lord, ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 
the, if you've been here, we, we're, we're, we're going, I, I, keep, I, I keep referring back to these, to these scriptures, not as a way, uh, really not, not from a place of trying to remind you what the scriptures are, but again, it's part of the reset. It's part of the refocus. And the, the refocus in this is that when this scripture was initially given at the beginning of this year, little did I know that it was actually meant as an invitation for us as a church to step in and discover the things in Scripture that, or take a risk, and, and, and actually kind of saying it for what it is, like, Lord, I don't know everything about Scripture. I'm willing to relearn, to, there's that teachable spirit. I'm willing to relearn or, or to see for the first time what you're talking about. And in this, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. It's twofold. There's a twofold invitation here. Understanding the scriptures is gonna unlock the power of God. They go together. The word and the spirit, they go together. The word and the power, they go together. It's not a dichotomy. It's not a split. It's not, you don't have the word camp church over here and the power camp church over here. No, they're supposed to be together. And this is where I feel like that the Lord is taking his bride. This is where he's taking his church. There'll be a people that are represented in character and power, in scripture and power. So it's like, come on. We're gonna stop, quit looking deformed. We're gonna start looking normal. So, so that's the first set point, your mistake. The, the, the invitation is, Jeff, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Well, there's no condemnation in that. No, it's an invitation. Step in, I wanna show you something. Oh, great. And then the other piece of this is, is the whole message of this life. The whole message of this life, life is capitalized. Therefore, it's deified. It's referring to Jesus. So far, I, I grew up in the church. Many of you have grown up in the church. We're very familiar with part of the message of this life. If, if I'm open to it, if I will be teachable and allow him to teach me things and to show me things, maybe I learned things that were wrong. Maybe I learned different definitions. Maybe I saw something different. Maybe, maybe what I'm looking at was actually explained away from me. Maybe it was forbidden for me to look at. And you know, it's, it, we're all doing the best we can. But this is a new day. This is a, this is a, we, we, are on, we are on a quest for this, the whole message of this life. That's where we're headed. We know that there is more. He knows that there is more. And he is beginning to show us the more, what we've been crying out for. So last week, we talked about this verse right here, and all I'm doing, now I am doing this in order to jog your memory, is that we had talked about in the past couple of weeks, is the weeks, the past couple of weeks is, the past couple of weeks, the past tenses of God. God has put things in the past tense, meaning he's pointing to something that he has dealt with. It talks about in John 1, 5, the light shines and the darkness did not comprehend it. We talked about how that is actually a statement. The light shines, it's present tense. The kingdom of God is in a present tense state. The darkness is in a past tense state according to the eternal perspective of God. 
The trick is, is that the enemy tries to get us to think that the darkness is in a present tense just like the light is in the present tense or the light was in the past tense. God forbid. But it says that Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law and we meticulously, maybe too much overshare, outlined what the curse of the law was. Like, it was hideous. I mean, it's one of those that, it's a jump start to depression. You know, it's really bad. And yet, what we did that, I did that on purpose so that we could see line upon line what Jesus has actually paid the price for, what he has actually rescued us from. That was the reason that we brought that up. So, with that, This is where I think the Lord's taken us to. In John chapter 6, 28 and 29, Jesus is having a conversation back and forth. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. So with each week that we've been talking about the atonement, The Holy Spirit has been opening our eyes, opening our eyes to see, but opening our eyes to see and believe, to take what he's done for us, not as just, not not as just, uh, uh, not as just information, but to take it into our hearts as living understanding, something that will completely change. This, what he's done for us is actually meant to change the way that we live. It's actually meant to change the, 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 your circumstances. Jesus said, you're now, you're now a light. You're, you're like a city that's set on a hill. Not one that's going to be covered up, but one that's going to be uncovered. So you have the ability to change. Light doesn't cover up darkness. Darkness expels light. No, 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 just the opposite. Light expels darkness. <laughs> hey, but I appreciate whoever said amen. I, I, I hear you. I'm with you, brother. So we want to perform God's word. What should we do? Believe in the one that he sent. And then in James, I was thinking about this, this word believe. James is saying, you say that you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So what's the difference? He's not talking about a mental ascent. He's talking about taking something that Jesus has done and apply it to us. It's, we believe in what Jesus has done for us, what he has paid for us. That's what we're taking. That is the works of God. Believe in what he has done. Not just believe it, but we're going to begin to apply it. We apply it. We apply what he's done. Okay. Uh, you know what? This didn't even... Fit in my, I just wanted to, I just wanted to read this. Psalms 103, one of my favorite Psalms. From the New Living Translation, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. May I never forget, may you never forget, may we never forget 
the good things that he does for us. What are those? He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Believe in the one whom he has sent. These are the works. This is the gospel. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. This is the whole message of this life. I believe it was F.F. Bosworth that said this, the power of God can only be claimed where the will of God is known. The power of God can only be claimed where the will of God is known. That's the will of God. Okay. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to that or turn on your Bibles or tell Siri to flip to it or... Romans 1, chapter, six, verse, chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So we're gonna begin to unpack this and break this down a little bit. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What does the word gospel mean? Good news. I'm not ashamed of the good news about Jesus. What good news? He took our sin. He took our disease. Last week we found out he took our curse upon himself. That's the good news. This good news is actually the power of God to salvation. What does that mean? What does salvation mean? There are many terms in the Bible I can read over and over and never really fully understand what they mean. I can get lost into this, you know, like redemption and justification, sanctification, salvation and altercation and staycation. And yeah, just all, it all just kind of blends together there. And so one of the things that I want to look at is that when I read this initially, when I read, uh, it is the power of God to salvation, that word right there, it means something to me. That word means something to you. That word, when we read it, it actually, for me, it means that, that, that he has dealt with my sins. Everything that he's dealt with, the salvation, actually for me, I take it to mean my inner man. And I'm right. But there's a whole nother piece. There's a whole nother meaning as to what that word means, salvation, that Jesus paid for. The Greek word here, and I'm not going to try to get off into Greek. There's going to be two Greek words that we're going to look at real quick. One is soteria, salvation. It actually means deliverance, preservation, healing, health, Soundness. 
So when he says, it's the power of God unto salvation, I'm thinking as it pertains to my sins and me getting into heaven, which is right, the word actually has a lot more meaning than that. Deliverance, preservation, healing, health, soundness. What if, uh, I'm not going to go there. I might go there in a minute. Soundness. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Soteria. Sometimes it's applied to the body only and sometimes it's applied to the soul only. But as we have been seeing in Scripture, salvation or being saved is much more than just our inner man being saved. That's what I want to look at today. There's also another Greek word that we want to look at. It's called sozo. This Greek word is also embodied in the meaning of salvation. It means saved, healed, and delivered. Saved, healed, delivered. It's a threefold meaning to that we're going to uh, take a look at. And so what I want us to do is, is if you have your Bible, I need you to follow along. You need to see this. Don't everybody grab them all at once, but <laughs> grab your Bibles, okay? Turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. We're going to start out looking at the saved, healed, and delivered. Remember, all three of these are a part of salvation. All three of these, saved, healed, delivered, are, 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 are made up, are comprised of what Jesus paid for. So we're probably most familiar with this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The word saved there is sozo. What does that mean? Saved from your sins. Absolutely. I'm the most familiar with this meaning of the word, saved. My inner man is saved. This is part of the message of this life. If you grew up in the church like I did, you'd be very, very familiar with the meaning of this word in this context. Our inner man is saved, but there's much more meaning to the word saved. I remember, good night, if it was, it had to be in the 90s. Um... <clears throat> We had heard about this church in Redding, California. Uh, they had a ministry called Sozo Ministry. And I remember, uh, I think Randy Clark came, uh, Randy Clark came here, and I can't remember what year it was. And he was talking to us about this revival that was happening in Argentina. This revival had been going on for, oh, oh several years. He's talking about this revival that was happening, and he taught. He was saying that that the leaders they were they were they were talking one day. Uh, Randy was with the leaders of this revival, and uh, they were they were discussing the American church. And so they basically said this, Randy, you Americans, you know how pe you know how to get people saved, but you don't know how to get them healed and delivered. It's like, okay, and he, their point was, it's the same word. Your focus or your education or your understanding is really only limited to one of the. So what I want us to look at is the salvation that paid for is not just for the soul, but it's also for the body. So in Matthew chapter 9, 
Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. I'll go ahead and set up. There's a woman there that had the issue of blood. Do you remember that? And so she had heard about Jesus. And so she thought, she had a, she had a couple of problems. One is, it was so crowded, there was no way to get to him. Second of all, if she did get to him, according to the law, she was unclean. And so by law, whoever an unclean person touched would become unclean. So I guess somehow she did the math in her head and she thought, well, I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to touch him to make them unclean. If I could just touch his robe, the fringe of his robe, I think I could be healed. And so she makes her way through the crowd and, and, and touches his robe and bang, it happened. So much so, Jesus went and stopped and said, who just touched me? And his disciples are like, are you kidding me? What do you mean? Who touched you? You see, the whole city's around you. What are you talking about? Who touched you? No, somebody touched me because I felt the power go out of me. Well, in verse 21, 22, she's saying, for thought, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. The woman was healed at that moment. The words healed and the phrase made you well come from the same word, sozo. If I could just touch his robe, I will be saved. Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has saved you, sozoed you, healed, made you well. What does this tell us? Healing is a part of our salvation. In Mark chapter 6, verse 56, turn there. says that wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. Word must have gotten out. And as many as touched him were made well. As many as were touched him were sozoed. As many as touched him were saved. Saved from what? Sickness. There's another example. This was, is taken in Luke chapter 8. And it's a story of the demoniac. Remember uh, in Gadarenes, uh, uh, this guy was just un 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 beside himself. And running through the town, screaming. Nobody could keep him, keep him quiet. He's keeping the whole town up. He's screaming. They tried to chain him up, and he broke the chains. And so Je not until Jesus shows up and casts that thing out of him, like several of them. They, they had a name. They had a club called Legion. There were so many. Cast him out. And it says in Luke 8.35, that when the townspeople heard what had happened because they lost all their livelihood, they, it was a pig uh, town and the, all the pigs uh, drowned themselves, says they went out to see what had happened in Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. <laughs> and they also who had seen it told them by what means he had been demon-possessed, that he who had been demon-possessed was healed. The word healed there is saved. What does that tell us? Being delivered from demons is part of the salvation, our salvation. 
It's been provided by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. If you're in Luke chapter 8, scroll down to verse 49. There's another case where it's about a little girl who was on the brink of death. And they asked Jesus to come and pray for her. It says, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead, do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well, saved. How was she saved? Brought back from the dead. So healing, deliverance from demons, and resurrection from the dead are all described by that one inclusive word, to save. Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Salvation is a word that refers to everything that has been provided by the death of Jesus on the cross. There's another example, Acts chapter 4. The lame man at the temple. So this man gets healed. He's been lame, been lame for how many years? 30, 38, 38 years. 38 years, he gets healed. And the, uh, the, the religious leaders want to know what happened. So Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, if, this, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, and by, and by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. The actual word is saved. What produced the wholeness? He goes on and says it. Look at verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved or healed or delivered. That's why his name is above every other name. There's no other name. No other name. The name of Jesus brings healing. The name of Jesus brings deliverance. The name of Jesus brings resurrection from the dead. This all, this is all accomplished through what he's done. Don't receive this in mental ascent. Don't do a mental ascent on me here. Don't receive this as information. This is living understanding what I'm talking to you about. We have this, his name. We have this whole thing that is, that is, we have access to him and what he's provided for, for those who will believe. These signs shall accompany those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I used to think that this verse right here was unfair. As you go, Jesus says, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
What's he talking about? That seems so unfair. No, he knew exactly what he was talking about. He was paying the price for us to be able to do this, and the price was all found in the atonement. Because he paid the price, because of the exchange that was made, it's actually free for us who believe. In Ephesians 5, verse 23, Paul says this, and he is the savior of the body. He's the savior of the souls and he's the savior of our bodies. The whole message of this life, the savior of the body. There's one more interesting look, uh, interesting take that I want us to look at as it concerns salvation. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. Paul says, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever, amen. And Paul is saying, bring me safely and preserve. It actually means he will save me and keep on saving me. The ongoing outworking of what Jesus did for us on the cross is called salvation. It's not a one-time thing. It's a lifetime thing. We have sequestered the meaning of salvation to mean something that happens when we're initially saved. And that's true. There's truth in that. But it's more, it's more than just a one-time event. Salvation is not just a one-time event. It's continual. It's from the moment you believe until the moment you pass out of time into eternity. You and I are continually moving in salvation, and that salvation is provided by the atonement of Jesus on the cross. I, I want, I wanted to, I'm going to include this. Dr. Schofield of the Schofield Translation of the Schofield Bible says this in his footnote on salvation. Salvation is the great inclusive word of the gospel gathering into itself all the redemptive acts and processes. We had talked about the seven redemptive names of God. Remember that? Each name reveals what his salvation includes. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, says this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, which was confirmed to us by those who heard him? That word neglect. There are people who refuse salvation. They don't want it. They turn it down or they don't believe it. Then there are others, hundreds, maybe thousands of Christians who don't refuse salvation, they neglect salvation. They don't really find out what God has provided for them. They accept some traditional view or a denominational presentation. But what the writer is saying, we can't afford to neglect so great a salvation, our very lives depend on it. And as we've seen, it's not just our spiritual lives, but it's also our physical lives depend on it. So again, another facet of what he's done, 
his definition of what he's included, our opportunity to buy into or to believe into what he has done for us and to step into what he has done for us. And by God's grace and mercy, we're going to do that. There are so many words over this house that refer to this house. Like we've got words, we've got words, this stack of words this big, talking about healings and people coming. That tells me that there's a group of people that have caught and understand what this, our salvation includes. And they're actually walking in it and imparting it. Let's stand.